0: Alright, is that one coming through okay? Well, my voice isn't, but the microphone at least is functioning. Uh, well, good morning and Merry Christmas to you. It's really lovely to be with you. My name is Peter, if you haven't yet met me. Uh, I have the privilege of serving at Soul Church, just a couple of streets over is where we meet. We come from all over, sort of a bit like you guys do. And uh, what a joyful thing to, uh, to, to get to celebrate the goodness of God in coming to us. Uh, What a beautiful thing that he initiates towards us. So let's begin by hearing uh, directly from God in his word. I'm going to read to us from Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 18 through to 25. Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child... For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, Which means, God is with us. Now when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. Until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank you so much. Well, uh, Australians traditionally uh, we don't really we don't take ourselves too seriously. It's kind of the the stereotype. It's a value that we've inherited from our self-deprecating English influence and uh, mixed that up with our egalitarian streak so that even our nation's leaders aren't supposed to take themselves too seriously. Um, When I was growing up, our prime minister was Bob Hawke. Some of you will remember Bob Hawke. Others of you are looking at me funny. Uh, But Bob Hawke was loved by many, particularly blokes at pubs. And when when I remember Bob, I have this mental image of him laughing and sculling a schooner of beer, and somehow managing to do both at the same time. Uh, in fact, he held a world record for doing this. And, and, and this, he did a yard glass in, I won't tell you the number of seconds, but it was in the Guinness Book of World Records. Now, if you're too young to know Bob Hawke, get onto YouTube and type in Bob Hawke. And so, if you're if you're younger, you have a responsible adult with you. You decide which of the parents is the responsible adult that you want to have with you. Okay? Because the 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 auto complete in YouTube finishes Bob Hawke. You know how it sort of always suggests what you might what else you might want to put in the search bar. It finishes Bob Hawke with Bob Hawke be a cricket because it's it's all of the times so he was at the cricket and the 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 crowd would say skull skull and he would drink beer. You see, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and we like that. The the Australian people like that. I I remember once being told about someone else, oh, this bloke, uh, he believes his own press. You heard that phrase? He believes his own press releases. He he believes the the, the talk that's out there about him. And I I, I just, I thought it was such a powerful phrase, because I realized at the time, in our culture, that's probably about the worst thing you could say about someone, isn't it? Like they really are up themselves. They really really are sort of, they believe the the sort of their own hype. And yet if you were in America, that's just what they call self-confidence. It's a different culture. We're weird. And to be honest, Australians, we don't take Christmas too seriously either. I mean, when I was growing up, the Langans family Christmas were the, the most sacred thing that we did was the backyard cricket game. Like that that was a ritual that we all participated in in all of the ways that you must. Um, we attended that ritual with religious dedication. Everyone did their turn at the sacred, you know, wicket keeping stumps where you, you know, you had your thing. And the next most important thing to that was presents and prawns. Uh, these days the Kutuzov and Langen's cousins worship together at the altar of a water slide jumping castle that my sister hires religiously every year to keep the kids entertained and the rest of us are still on the prawns. See, it's just so laid back. It's chill and that's what we like about it. By 2 p.m. We are literally laid back and we love it. Partly because no one takes it too seriously. And it makes it easy. Now that is weird because about 2,026 years ago, give or take, this happened. The virgin conceived and gave birth to a son, and they called him Immanuel, which means God is with us. This number of years ago in our real and actual history, God came down, God entered our world. I I, I want to stop and and see if that's registering for you, how strange and how difficult that is. Do do you get how big that is? Because I'm not ashamed to tell you, I don't understand how big that is, and I don't understand how that can happen. Of all the elements of the gospel story, and I've been to Bible college and tried to pick up some of them, um, it's the only one that makes absolutely no sense to me. This is the great mystery of the faith for me, is actually the incarnation. Virgin birth... I'm cool with that, right? Okay, God can, like, make humans originally from no humans. I'm pretty sure he can do it with just, like, half of what you normally need. That's fine. The cross... I get that. I mean, sure, God substituting himself in to, to take the punishment for his people. It's crazy, love. It doesn't make sense at that level. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But I, I can understand something of it. I can see what, what God's doing. The resurrection, look, it makes sense. God's going to defeat death by coming back to life. I get it. Even the Trinity. No, okay, the Trinity is also pretty tricky too. But, but, but it, can't hold a handle to, it can't hold a candle to this concept that a, a perfect transcendent outside of our space time, inventor of our space time, joyful forever in his community of self, father, son and spirit, non-needy a a God who is free of the tyranny of the time we inhibit, sorry inhabit, sorry, the time we inhabit like like God can Um, he can pick up any second of all of history, just like you would pick up a book from your bookshelf and just be there with you in your prayers in in your moment and then put put, put it back and, and pick up a book from another person in the same second. And he's not constrained by time. He's not struggling for time. He's outside of our time. And if he feels like an audio book, maybe he gets one of the angels to read it to him. I'm not sure. So time's not ticking away for him. He's not mastered by it. It doesn't control him. He is not just the master of it. He was the author of it. You've got that God we're talking about. And the concept that this being would all of a sudden become in submission to time. He could run out of time for his homework, for getting the carpentry done. Subjected to limitations within a world that he and things appear. He speaks and things happen. To to be subject to physicality. How is it that he keeps the atoms spinning while he's a baby? Because that's what Jesus is upholding the universe by the word of his power. How is it that he becomes subject to shame in a world that he created? and it, 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 it proclaims his glory to sickness, even to temptation. No other element of all the theology that I've ever read comes close to this, the mind-bendingness of how and why and how it could possibly be that God would enter our world and become a part of the creation that he created. Uh, it, it's similar it's an analogous to the psalmist's wonder in Psalm 8 he says when I, when I consider oh, far enough when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is mankind that you are mindful of them human beings that you care for them David wrote a whole psalm, one of the most famous psalms, in sheer wonder about God even caring what happens to us because he's stopping and thinking about the size of creation, the vastness of space. If you've ever been to uh, xkcd.com, it's got a, a thing where you can sort of like just scroll across and you see Earth and then you scroll and it takes you about 15 minutes and then you, then you might get to, to Mars and you scroll and then it takes you a lot longer before you get to the next planet and so on and you start to get a sense, whoa, whoa. And that's just our solar system, which is a speck. And you say, wow, the hugeness, the vastness of space that this psalmist got. And, and how much more... It's a, it's a ridiculous thought that God would even care about humanity when you just see how small we are in the scheme of his creation. How much more that God would enter his creation, that he would take on literal skin so that he could put that skin in the game, for us, for his people. Not just care, but be with and in. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite writers, a guy named Frederick Buchner, although apparently I've been saying his name, apparently it's and anyway, I don't know how to pronounce those names. Uh, he said, this of God coming down at Christmas. He says, the word became flesh. The ultimate mystery was born with a skull you could crush one-handed. Incarnation, he says, it is not tame, it is not beautiful, it is uninhabitable terror. It is unthinkable darkness riven with unbearable light. Agonizing laboring led to it. Vast upheavals of intergalactic space, time split apart, a wrenching and tearing of the very sinews of reality itself. You can only cover your eyes and shudder before it. And he quotes one of the great ecumenical psalms before this. Before you say, God, he is God, but of God. He is light, but of light. He is very God of very God, who for us and our salvation came down from heaven. For us and for our salvation. To rescue us from ourselves, our silliness and our alienation from him. He did it for us, for nobody's in terms of our place in creation, just from a physical point of view. Now look, I have many questions about this still, as you can tell, and the answers are clearly above my pay grade, but this much is clear. God took humanity seriously to do Christmas. We had to matter for something this cataclysmic to happen, or he would not have done what he did. He took on not just the material world of all of this, but he took on a human nature. And he lived and died and rose again to redeem fallen humans back to himself. Now, my mates or your average person in the street, um, I've had people talk to me and say, but look, that's all well and good, mate. Like, it's all nice. Your God sounds like a great bloke. But um, like, I didn't ask for that. It's nothing to do with me. I don't take myself that seriously. Like, why does it matter what I do? What does God care? Why is he butting in on this sort of thing? And I think that's understandable from an Aussie culture point of view. But it's, but it's wrong. It's not how God made us. If we go back to Psalm 8, we remember there's actually a, despite our speckiness, our smallness, there's actually a dignity that we were made with, a position, I want you to imagine uh, an angel, <clears throat> you, know, you know the deal, white robes, harp, halo, the whole shebang, uh, lots of white linen, uh, attending to the ancients of days on his throne, shielding his eyes with his wings because he, he, he actually can't bear to, to see his face. And I want you to imagine that angel in this most holy of places, this most holy of duties, chucking a sickie and going for beers and smokes with the boys. Like you, don't even, like, you can't see it. Like, there's no, there's no mental image for that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mixture of categories, isn't it? It seems wrong. Uh, it's pathetic and also offensive at the same time. Now, why does it seem like that for us? I think it's because when something is important, like when something should be taken seriously, uh, because it has dignity, because it's special, because it's holy, it's actually wrong to treat it like it's nothing. I'm not sure about you, but I reckon God takes my non-Christian friends more seriously than they take themselves in many ways. They're a little lower than the angels, apparently. In Hebrew, you lack a little from the Elohim, from the gods. You, 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 me, us. And God cares about you and cares about what you do because he made you. And because that's how he made you and the role that he gave you and the space, the place within creation that he gave you with a purpose such that there is no human that is a nobody. There's no human that is a nobody. Now, that sounds quite nice, I think, kind of uplifting. You could put that on a Hallmark card, quite complimentary. But I do know also that what makes Aussies who don't take themselves too seriously a little suspicious. See, like, I, I know if someone's really my mate when they insult me right? Yeah, that's when they can have a go. They can pay me out and know that we're still going to be mates at the end of it. But when, you know, someone's really lays on the praise thick and starts to talk about how lovely and important and wonderful I am, that's when I get sus because I'm Australian. Now, in a way, that's kind of understandable too, because God treating you seriously, well, it's not a good thing in every single way. See, Jesus truly is a gift, but he's a gift a bit like what my uncle once gave me. Now, when I was 13 years old, my uncle, he bought me this book, okay? Uh, I'm I'm sure he bought me lots of presents for birthdays and Christmases, but this is the only one that I remember, and it's very much stuck with me. Um, It was a book by Dale Carnegie, or Carnegie, I don't know how you pronounce it, sorry. Um, uh, You may have heard of it, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Who's read that book? Does anyone know the one I mean? Yep. How to influence people. Old book. Very um, very popular book. Now, if someone gives you that book, (laughs) like you didn't go and buy it for yourself, like they gave you that book, it says something, doesn't it? And it was accurate in my case. I was a 13-year-old boy with zero social skills. And my uncle was like, Pete, you need to read this. It's a gift that says something, even before I've read it. And don't get me wrong, Jesus is a gift. His forgiveness is a gift, but he's a gift a bit like my uncle's gift. Uh, it says you need it. I don't know. I don't hear many people say, I forgive you very much in normal conversation. Do you hear that? I don't. I hear people say stuff like, no, nah, you're right. And oh, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, no, nah, no worries. They're trying to say, no bad thing happened. You shouldn't feel bad. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Because I'm acting like it didn't happen. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes someone feels that they've offended you, and you're like, no, there's actually nothing to apologize for. Sure. But but, but we don't like this thing of like saying, I forgive you, because it's it's like my uncle giving me that book. It told me that I had no social skills. And when Jesus offers forgiveness, it tells you, mates, actually... There's stuff to forgive. Why is God taking me so seriously? Like, like are you really trying to point out my flaws? You, like, what you, what you, do you... Do you get off on, on making me feel bad about myself? Is that what this is about? The kinds of things that I've heard from, from, from friends and from people I've talked to about Jesus over time. And like a good father, God actually says to the, that person, well, yes, I do love you enough to call you out on your behavior. I love you enough for that. I care enough when you're going in the wrong direction. Yes, I'll call you to turn back on me because you matter, because you're important, because I care about you, because you're not walking the path that is good for you, that you're designed for. Look, I think think sometimes we also link self-awareness we're not taking yourself too seriously. Have you heard people say that? Oh, he's pretty self-aware. You know, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, you know, when we see people acting like uh, everything that they think matters is all important and, and it's all about their thoughts, we, t- we associate that with a lack of self-awareness sometimes. And that works in one way, <clears throat> or a couple of ways maybe, really, like in the sense of capability. So, you know, not t- don't take yourself too seriously if you're not actually an expert in the field. Fair enough. Uh, in the sense of our own uh, morality and, and the way we've lived, like, I'm not perfect, so I'm not going to, you know, act as if I'm the arbiter of all good. Hey, that's a beautifully humble statement. Or um, uh, e- even, if you, even if you just sort of, at, at with, with a sense that, you know, you're not the most important person in the room in terms of your role and position, fair enough. <clears throat> but see, the phrase of being self-aware, well, that on, in humans, you've always got to be self-aware, and that means you might take yourself down a peg or two. But the phrase works differently with God because God is aware of his capability and he's, in, and he's omnipotent. God is a very, very aware of his morality and his character and he, he is perfect. A, a, and he knows his own heart, his character and his role and his position, who is, which is the great father of all things. And he is the one who loves do you see, because God is not like us, for God to be self-aware, it has different implications for him than it does for us. For us, it might mean taking ourselves a little less seriously. For him, it might mean taking himself very seriously, because that would be right. Um, apparently, uh, Princess Mary's been around in Hobart the last little while, um, so whole streets are on Mary Watch, and um, photographers have been snapping, and, and gossip colonists are trying to stir up dirt and controversy as they do. But just generally, the honour of the role means that Mary's got a different life to you and me. She gets escorted places with security guards and and bulletproof glass and things. And for one of us to try that would show that we really don't know our place. Not very self-aware if you thought you needed that sort of thing. But in God's self-awareness, his recognition of himself, his refusal to pretend that he is less than he is, His love drove him to enter into humanity and to take on our pain and to take on our shame on himself. Because he takes himself and the people that he's made seriously. Because he takes his character of love so seriously. Because this is the great demonstration. This is what flowed from his heart. To treat us, his images, seriously and to call us to account for our sin. It's when, as we take Christmas seriously this year, we're nearly there. There's just a nice, a nice thing where it means, it means different things for us. God takes us in some ways more seriously than we do. And he takes himself more seriously too, and so he'll call us on our sin. I want you to cast your mind back to a time, if, if you would, um, a time when someone really took you seriously. And and you cared about them. They they were someone who was significant to you in some kind of way. What did what was it like? Was it a little bit scary? Was it scary at first, but then reassuring? Like like what was it like when someone they 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 took you and your thoughts and who you are really seriously? What happened to you when they did that? Please, I want you to hear this Christmas. God telling you, take you seriously. I didn't come down from heaven for no reason because you're a nothing, because you don't matter. I take you seriously. Now, some of you guys here today are young, right? And you're here at church, and, and you, you know, like you guys are a lovely, delightful church, but sometimes you might feel a little bit like in adult conversations, you know. You might, you might get this idea that you somehow don't matter so much. just want you to hear right now, all the kids, all the kids, I want you to hear right now. Jesus welcomed the kids that the disciples were, who were around with him treated like they were unimportant. He treated kids seriously. He said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So if, if you're under 18, you're, you're here, don't believe that you're a nobody. That is a lie. It's an untruth that the devil will try and tell you. And maybe he wants you to believe it. I mean, I'm sure maybe, maybe he wants you to give up on fighting a particular sin. I'm not that important anyway. It doesn't really matter so much what I do. I'm not a big deal in this anyway. And he'd love you to think that. He'd love you to think, well, I might as well give up. It doesn't matter. I'm not a, it doesn't matter what I do. In the incarnation, and that's a big word, it just means God coming to us, in God becoming a part of his creation, he says, no, I came to earth for you. I took on a digestive tract. Like, there are implications to having a digestive tract. I took that on to save you from that sin. It's important because you're important. And so don't just see a baby in a manger here. See God coming to this earth because you matter. Now, some of you here this morning, most likely there'll be some people here who won't be Christians. But maybe you're here because it's a nice, good thing to do on a Christmas day. Maybe you've come with some family. Beautiful. It's so good. I love that you're here. And you're thinking, you know, it's been nice to be here. Keen for a beer and a steak afterwards. It's going to be great. And, And you'll not give Jesus another thought till Easter. Now, If that's that's you, I'm so pumped that you're here. Um, But I want to encourage you to understand what God did for you when he became a human. Please hear God telling you that the infinite was clothed in the finite so that you would take him seriously. That your life would actually change to be revolving around him because he's actually the God who made you. Live for him, love him, be forgiven by him and, and be his friend, be with him forever in a new and restored world. Like that's his plan for you. And he arranged for you to be here this morning to hear him ask you, please, remember what I did. Because I take you seriously. Or maybe you're a part of a third category. And these categories could be part of more than one or neither. But maybe you know God. Maybe you love him for living and dying and rising for you so very much. And you've just been basking in this morning, enjoying being taken seriously by the God of the universe in the gospel feeling very unworthy of it, appropriately so, and yet no less loved because of that. And to that I say, Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son, that whosoever would believe in him will not die, but will have life of the new age with you. Thank you that you didn't just leave us in our little mess and not take us seriously. There's no there's no reason why you couldn't have just let one little planet in the corner of your cosmos just have some ants running around on it. Ants like us, and just ignored us. Father, you are such a big God, but you tenderly care. And you saw fit to to, to give us a, a role and responsibility in this world thank you for taking us seriously enough to come for taking our sin seriously enough to call us on it but for taking your love and your own character seriously enough to then not destroy us in your justice but forgive us in your love by jesus taking our place on the cross and father we ask that you would increase our thankfulness and our ability to grasp on so how much you love us because of this this morning and Father, may we love and honour you and bless and honour the people around us um, in, in response to just how, um, how beautiful it is that you've taken us seriously and Jesus came in love. Before we ask it in his name, for his sake. Amen.